Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, the 22nd of uh, July, and it is a hot one outside. We're over 100 degrees outside, so uh, I'm staying inside today as much as possible. And today, we're uh, the title of today's episode is Splitting Airs. Splitting Airs, get it? Uh, because sometimes you may be faced with a situation where you might need to know or might not at least need to be aware of the problems of who is and who's not an heir and who is and who is not perhaps uh, part of an estate. First off, a few definitions to get things straightened up. Very often we use the term heirs, somebody's heirs, and we don't really necessarily always know what that means. Under Missouri law, and most other states do it the same way, an heir is who would get a person's property if they did not have a will? In Missouri law, this appears in a section, if you ever went to look it up, 472.010 of the Revised Statutes of Missouri, where it sets out all these different definitions in the probate court. And again, is heir is someone who would have uh, succeeded to the uh, uh, estate, uh, the, the property, uh, at per the statutes of intestate succession. And intestate succession, that means you died without having a will. So a person's heirs are those who would get the property if they did not have a will. That is different than somebody who gets the property under a will. They are usually called in the law a legatee, somebody who's gotten a legacy out of the will. Now, somebody who's gotten something out of the will and somebody who's gotten some who is an heir, they might be the same person, depending on how you've drafted the will, but not necessarily. It is possible to cut out heirs from your will, uh, with the exception of a spouse. You can't cut them out completely with the way the statutes are worded. A spouse can always do what's called take against the will. And so they can they have an option to, uh, to get uh, part of the estate, even if you try to take somewhat, take them out of the will completely. But it is possible, for example, a person who is not married but has children under the statute, their heirs, his heirs are his children, but he might have given all of his money to the Salvation Army or to uh, a, a cousin thrice removed that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. And that would be the, the legatee and He's cutting his uh, heirs out of the will. Now, very often when very close heirs get cut out of a will, you might see that there might be a challenge to that will. Uh, somebody might say he wasn't uh, in right mind. He didn't have the proper intent to do that. Somebody influenced him. There's a whole lot of things that can go on. But for right now, that's the point. There's a difference between heirs and who might wind up with the money. Those might be the same and those might not be. And where that can affect, face you, first off, we'll deal with heirs, is because very often you might be presented with a situation where people are arguing about that. Now, of course, uh, I don't think most of you out there aren't attorneys, uh, so you're not going to be giving people legal advice. You're not judges, so you're not going to rule on who wins a dispute, but you at least need to be aware of what the possible disputes are. One that popped up just this last week uh, was someone who had a burial plots they had a written contract, burial plots, deeds, if you want to call them, to the, the burial plots. And in all the legal documents, it said if, and this person owned like about a half dozen of them, uh, and in the, uh, the documents, it said that upon death, these would be transferred to the owner's heirs. Okay, well, 
So the owner's heirs is supposed to get those. Well, who are the heirs? Well, that in that case, you do need to turn to the statute dealing with intestate succession and who gets uh, the property if you do not have a will. And like we've said before several times, it can get complicated. So I'm actually going to read it right off the statute here because uh, I've had to deal with this several times in our own family where somebody's passed away without a will. And every time to be certain I'm saying it right or, or thinking about it right, I always look it straight up. All property, that's all property, to which any decedent dies intestate, does not have a will, shall descend and be distributed subject to the payment of claims. Claims get paid out of this first, including funeral bill, as follows. Number one, the surviving spouse shall receive a the entire intestate estate if there is no surviving issue of the decedent. Okay, so if the decedent had a spouse and no kids, then the spouse gets everything. But if the person who died had children, then it starts getting more complicated. If the person without a will died without children, then and all of his children are from his surviving spouse. So he's only been married one time, only married once in his life. All of his children are from his only spouse. He passes away in that without a will. In that case, the first $20,000 in value of the estate goes to the spouse. And that's if, and then the rest is set aside. It doesn't go to the spouse. What if the deceased had children from a prior marriage or from another relationship where these children, their mother is not the surviving spouse? Well, in that case, the, the surviving spouse loses that $20,000 off the top because it then says if a uh, one half the wife gets, excuse me, the wife or husband, the spouse gets one half of the intestate estate if there are surviving issue, one or more of which are not issue of the surviving spouse. So if the deceased had children that were not uh, of the surviving spouse, then the surviving spouse loses that 20000 off the top and gets half of the estate. Now, what happens to that other half? either before or after the $20,000. In that case, the statute says the part not distributed to the surviving spouse or the entire intestate property, if there is no surviving spouse, shall descend as follows to the decedent's children or their children in equal parts. So every child gets an equal share. If there are no children or their descendants, so that means if you had five kids and one of them passed away, well, then that child's share could wind up going to that, to the grandkids in effect. Then the decedent's father. But if you don't have any kids that they didn't survive you, then it can go up to your parents. I'm not going to get into all the details because it can get very, very complicated. The point being, your heirs might not be at first glance who you think they are. And in this particular case, with somebody that had these documents that said that the uh, heir, the heirs get this property, if you follow that document and nothing else happens, there was it was it's a split because this deceased had a surviving spouse and had children. So that means there were about four heirs. Okay, now who controls those burial plots? Well, unless they can all agree, 
they might wind up having to run that through the courts. So again, just the point of this is just because you have a surviving spouse, that surviving spouse might not be the sole heir. Now keep again, remind, that's different than what somebody will get in the last will and testament. And this also can cause a conflict with documents that talk about heirs because somebody in their will can say, all of my property, everything I own is going to go to so-and-so. And you have some right, some document, something over here that says it goes to my heirs. Well, what if what they may not match up? Well, once again, if everybody gets along, fine. But if not, there's a good chance there's going to be a problem with a probate estate. Now, very often, uh, a funeral home might wind up dealing with pre-need statutes where they might have the purchaser has passed away or the beneficiary has passed away and there's money left over that's not being used for the funeral. Well, what do you do? What do we deal with that? Where, where, what path do we take? Well, fortunately, chapter 436 avoids using the term heirs or legatees. They don't do that at all. They use the term the estate of the deceased, which makes it absolutely clear who where this goes. So first off, you have a pre-need funeral plan, all right? And there is money left over. And this was not an irrevocable plan. There's no issue with public assistance. Um, it would be payable to the estate of the deceased, okay, if that was their money. So that makes it clear there. Likewise, what if somebody has purchased a funeral plan for their mother? I'm the purchaser. My mother is the beneficiary under the funeral plan, and the purchaser passes away. The statute says that contract, the rights under that contract, are now controlled by the personal representative or the estate of the deceased. The estate of the deceased. So once again, we're not worried about heirs. We're not worried about who actually gets the property under the will. We're talking about the estate itself which is the legal process with a personal representative that controls, uh, that handles the, uh, the distribution and dealing with the courts and all that. So what happens if you wind up with money that you believe should go to a deceased person's family? How should you make the checkout? Well, our statute tells you very clearly the best way to make that checkout. It would be to the estate of so-and-so. The estate of. Don't worry about who the heirs are. Don't worry about who gets anything under the will. You don't even necessarily worry about who the personal representative is, as long as you would make the check out to the estate of so and so who passed away. Now, sometimes if you want, if you try to do that, the family may say, "Well, wait a minute. We're not opening up an estate. This person doesn't have enough money um, to open up an estate." Well, it's not that expensive to open up a small estate. They may not know that. Uh, they should consult an attorney to, to check with that. It's not that difficult. Uh, they can even try to do it themselves. I don't always recommend. I don't recommend that necessarily, but uh, they might want to try that. But uh, the uh, the statute, Chapter Four Thirty Six, again, makes it quite clear that I'm going to read this one section here. 
The death or incapacity of a purchaser, transfer or rights of remedies to who? Upon the death or legal capacity of the purchaser, all rights and remedies granted to the purchaser, and that would include the right to cancel the contract and get a refund, shall be enforceable by and accrue to the benefit of the purchaser's legal representative or his or her estate. And all payments otherwise payable to the purchaser shall be paid to that person. So it's either the legal representative of the estate or the estate itself. So again, that helps give the funeral home um, protection as to whether or not you gave the money to the right person. Oldest son is here and says, hey, we're not using all the money. Give me the check. And you give that check to the oldest son. And then it turns out the oldest son had been cut out of the will. Well, you gave the money to the wrong person because the statute said you should have given it to the legal representative or of his or her estate. Uh, uh, in that case, the legal representative of that person or his or her estate. So that helps you a little bit there. Switching gears real quick on, uh, for example, with insurance funded pre-need contracts. Pull this one up because it talks about there. Same similar language. The proceeds of the life insurance policy that exceed the actual cost of the goods and services provided pursuant to a non-guaranteed pre-need contract, any over shall be paid to the estate of the beneficiary or if the beneficiary received public assistance to the state of Missouri. Of course, in that case, it's probably going to have been an irrevocable contract. And Chapter 208 kicks in, which we've talked about before, says you need to pay that to the state of Missouri. So once again... When you're faced with these question marks, don't do a knee-jerk reaction about who you think might be entitled to the money. Stop and think about it a second. If it's a preening situation and you're giving money back, chances are you should be writing the check to the estate of the person whose money it was. All right. If the purchaser has passed away, the entity that can control the contract, including potentially cancel it, is the legal representative of the deceased or their estate. It might, and that might not be the spouse. That might not be the kids. So don't do a knee-jerk reaction as to who it is. And lastly, my advice to everyone out there, please have a will. <laughs> please have a will. Uh, you might think that uh, this has nothing to do with funeral service. This is just in general to anyone I ever talk to. Uh, please have a will. Even if you think that you have taken care of all of your property, the house is in your name and somebody else's name, the bank accounts are all joint accounts, you have beneficiaries listed on your life insurance policies, it's always a chance that something slips under the crack, that something doesn't uh, wind up automatically transferring to someone else at death. And in those situations, you need to have a will to tell the world, to tell the court, here is what I want to have happen to anything that I don't have already taken care of. Because if you don't do that, like has happened in, in my family a couple of times, um, it gets to be a mess because you have to go through that intestate succession statute and it can go down. You have children, but the children aren't alive. So you have nieces and nephews or you have brothers and sisters because it gets more and more complicated as you go down the list. And so people can wind up getting like my father did in one case, one thirty second of some of a great aunt's estate uh, because she had money, but she didn't have a will. So uh, please just a personal 
from me to anyone listening to this, make sure you have a will. They're not that expensive. If you don't have a complicated situation, a simple will is not that expensive. Uh, There are people that do them themselves from these sites online. But even if you go to attorney, a simple will is usually not that expensive. It's well worth it to avoid potential problems. So that's what we have today. Again, to recap, know the difference between an heir and a legatee. They're not the same. If you were ever faced with that question, know that the statutes of Missouri, the pre-need statutes, when you're paying money out, in most cases say pay it to the estate of or the legal representative of, depending on which section you're looking at. So that may not be the heirs. That may not be the legatees. Okay. That may be a completely different entity or person. And again, if the people are coming there and you see that there's a problem, you might have to suggest You might have to, you guys need to go see an attorney or something because I can't tell you who's in charge. I can't tell you who gets the money, who controls those burial plots, who controls the pre-need money if there's a dispute over who is the legal representative. You may have to tell them, go to court, get me a court order, and I'll follow that because that is my final piece of advice. If you have a dispute like this and a court tells you to do something, do what the court tells you to do, okay? If somebody thinks the court's made a mistake, well, it's their right to challenge that and maybe get another court order that changes it, that's fine. But if a court of law in your jurisdiction tells you to do something, I suggest you do it. And until then, stay cool and as always, stay safe.